Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. I'm sorry that we're not very traditional. Actually, we should be reading the nine lessons of Christmas. But you haven't heard anything about Christmas since we started the service. And uh, it's still Christmas, right? <laughs> it's still Christmas. So I just apologize. Like, we're not very <laughs> traditional like that. So hopefully you, you get us and understand um, that Christmas is bigger than just the festivities and all the things we've made around Christmas. Yeah? Christmas is bigger than all the things we've made around Christmas. Christmas is not about the tree. You know, it's not about the tree. It's not about the Christmas tree. Christmas is actually not about two guys, uh, a guy from the North Pole and his helpers. It's not about what are the other things, mistletoes, reindeers, what are the other things? Chicken, bread, gingerbread, the gingerbread man. And what else? Christmas pudding. Sorry? Right. So, now some of you are going to have super withdrawal symptoms if we don't do some of these things. But actually, most of them have nothing to do with the Christ. They're just traditions that we picked up. And some of the traditions are good, like family tradition. It helps the family to come together. So it's not bad. We're not saying they're evil or poisoned or anything like that. They're just traditions. They're not about the Christ. So Christ is the essence of Christmas. That point has been pushed over and over. So that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're just going to go on to our conversation this morning heroes and the history maker repeat after me heroes and the history maker one more time heroes and the history maker one last time heroes and the history maker psalms chapter 139 verse 14 to 16 the passion translation i think you should open your bible so you can compare your translation against the one on the screen it helps a lot so you read it twice let's let's marinate this scripture i thank god for making me so mysteriously complex everything you do is marvelously breathtaking it simply amazes me to think about it how how thoroughly you know me lord You've even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me, before I'd ever seen the light of the day. The number of my days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. How awesome is that? You know, I was in the funeral house recently when everybody was grieving and the man just died on his birthday it was on his 76th birthday it was so clear God counted his days and said this is the number of days you have and at the finishing of that day no one day extra the man was taken 
Do you know that your days have been already recorded in God's book? And it's not just the number of days or years you're going to live on earth. It's actually also your times and your seasons. The big happenings in your life have been recorded in God's book. God, who is all-knowing, sent you here to earth to do something. And your times and your purposes and your seasons have been recorded in his book. But how did he make you? You created me. Lord, you even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. And look at how he made us. Look at what's the first word here. Let's read it together. Carefully then, skillfully, shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. God saw what you're going to be like before you knew yourself. Like today, I could have actually put up a slide that shows the statistics of the people who are born in the earth today. We're just about, what time is it now? Like 10, 10 a.m., right? At this point in time, about 100,000 new babies should have been born to the world today. By about 2 p.m., it will be about 200,000. By the end of today, about 400,000 babies should have been born to the world today. And at least 200,000 people would have died today. So every day there's this exchange of the people who die versus the people who are born. Think about the kind of mastermind that crafts 400,000 purposes. So you see babies, but for God is lives. For God is journeys. For God is something he wants to do. So if God is thinking technology in 30 years time, what will he do today? He will send a man. There's a scripture that says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. So God is a God full of ideas. God is not accidental as we think nature to be. You know, in modern science, we assume that nature just accidentally happened by natural selection. That's not what we see in this scripture. He says, before we came, he knew us. He knew you. He wove you together. He formed your bones before he ever sent you out as a spermatozoa into your father's loins and you moved fertilize your mom's ovary out of million you made it to the ovary that already shows that you are a winner <laughs> it could have so god already knew you he already created you he already ideated you he already saw what your nature was going to be like. I think it was Tim LaHaye who wrote a book about the kind of man or what you call the spirit-controlled man or something like that. Temp and wrote about tempera temperaments, the sanguine, the choleric. What else did he talk about? Melancholic, yeah, phlegmatic. And talked about these personalities of people. 
You see, our nature was already woven inside of us. What we are like, what we are predisposed to, is already made. So not only was your physical body made, your mind was made. God created the sense of how you would think, how you would analyze, how you would understand, how you would interpret phenomenon. And the devil makes nothing. All he does, he comes to poison what God has made. He comes to tell you, are you sure about what God made? He comes to tell you, are you really sure who you are? And that's why we must go back to the book to take the foundry from where we are created, to take a look at how we were made. We were carefully made. Say, I was carefully made. And I like this way he says it. I thank you, God. Let's read this first line together. One, two, go. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, I don't know that some people think like being complex is a good thing. You know, like some of you, you want to change your nature because you're actually complex. You don't even know what you want. One day you want something. Another day you want the opposite of what you wanted yesterday. Yeah. It is beautiful. It's beautiful. So, part of your creation is also that you were sent with something to do on earth. And here are some questions. Are you the sent man then for the problems we have in the earth? What are the big problems you would say in the earth? Number one, poverty. Number two, wars and disease. Number three, the lack of love in the world. Number four, the fact that man's heart consistently turns away from his maker. The fact that man's heart consistently wanders away from his maker. So I said Christmas then is not just about the Christ. Christmas is about you. It's about the fact that God was thinking about redemption. It's about the holy partnership between heaven and earth. For mankind to connect to God. And for God to use man to accomplish his purpose in the earth. Some of you are asking like, these are not my problems. So where is my new car inside here? Where is my new home I want to buy inside here? Where's the husband I want to buy? This love looks like it, but it doesn't look like it's the, it's the kind of love I'm looking for. And turn man's heart back. I have my own problem. God wants to turn their heart. He can turn them by himself. Why does he need me? I have my own problem. God has his own problems. I will be solving man's problem. Man's problem. Why God can be solving God's problems. And our hearts are heavy. If you take a look at why you have a heavy heart at the end of the year, is it any one of these things? Be honest. <laughs> so that helps you to evaluate how God thinks. So God's ways are higher than our ways. So God acts.
actually sings like this. And that's not God's plan. God's plan is not to keep the heavens high above the earth. God's plan is to match us to heaven. Is to match us to heaven. So there is, there is the great man hypothesis in uh, history. The great man hypothesis. And there's a diagram of about the four greatest men who have ever lived. And I'm going to show you three of them and I'm going to add one of my own just to change the game. Because one of them shouldn't be among the men. This is actually something I took from Wiki. A 19th century idea according to which history can be largely explained by the impact of great men or heroes. Highly influential individuals who due to either their personal charisma, intelligence, wisdom or political skill used their power in a way that had a decisive historical impact. The whole idea here is that men were great. Some particular people lived great lives. And their lives were so great that they created what you call historical impact. This was the great man paradigm. Do you guys believe in heroes? Um, I don't know why everybody's so quiet. I thought I asked a question. Can we do this together? I'm sorry if I'm coming from... Yeah. But do you guys believe in heroes? Like, uh, the ones you guys are say believing is uh, Marvel Comics, you know, kind of superheroes like Spider-Man. <laughs> which, which, the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah. Which one do you believe in? Kind of heroes. I believe everyone is a hero. You believe everyone is a hero? That's not possible now. <laughs> it's not possible. Where's the actor in the movie? <laughs> some people have to die and some people have to make it alive. And grab the woman at the end of this thing. I mean, coming with your victory march. You know the victory march? About six, seven guys coming, coming with your... You know, just all of them just walking like straight in line, just <laughs> at the end of the movie with fireworks blowing in the background and they are walking out of the fire like these are the invincible ones. You guys are not watching too many movies. This is the great man phenomenon that great men shifted the world, that great men moved time and civilization. That men lived on earth and pushed other men to do beyond what those men expected to do. That particular men shaped history. And those men gave us the impetus we need to run in a particular time. And if you take a look at this, this is so true. If you take a look at people like William Wilberforce who ended the slave trade. Who went to British Parliament 20 times to present papers and said, This is the reason why the slave trade is wrong. Some of these men were propelled by the Spirit of God to go forth and do things that shifted their civilization. There are great men like Martin Luther King Jr. who went into, into America and stood in corporate and said that we're going to take back equality of mankind and we're not going to spread, we're not going to use any vice. He says, he said, and I quote, he said, 
I've forgotten the quote. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys are thinking I have a dream is what I want to say. No. <laughs> what he said was, paraphrased was like, say hate cannot drive away hate. You need love to do that. And he brought a whole nation to a grace which the nation had no capacity of their own to produce. And as a Baptist minister, a man of God, changed the nation from his heart because he loved very deeply. So this great man's phenomenon had something accurate that some people who stepped out by sacrifice and of course he paid the ultimate price. He lost his life in the same war. But there's another anti-great man paradigm called societies make heroes. And the leader of this proponent is a guy called Herbert Spencer who in 1960 formulated a counter argument that is actually still the kind of argument that people like you are pushing society and their action great men are products of their society and their actions will be impossible without the social canvas built before their lifetime that there will be no great men except the society was ready there will be no great men except poverty was everywhere. There will be no great men except political imprisonment was rife. And someone rose up to tackle that which was plenteous. There will be no great men except something negative had happened. That There will be no platform for greatness except a canvas had been pre-created. This is also true. That the elements in society prepare us for what we are about to do so today we can say the elements of what's happening in our society is readying us for the move of God we can say that poverty is readying us for someone who is going to rise to end poverty we can say disease and HIV AIDS and cancer is making us ready for someone who is going to stand up and take a, a cure for this Today we can say that godlessness is making us ready for people who are going to stand up, who are going to know God, who are going to lead many to righteousness. This time is being made ready to be that man. So I agree with both theories. I don't think like they're counter-exclusive. It's true both ways. The great man must rise up among his people, but the society and the time must be ready. So this is the first great man in the list of the four great men. His name was Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar was the one who took Rome from being a, a country to an empire. He moved Rome from being a country to an empire. He lived around the year 50 BC and drove Rome to a point in time when their economy, their politics, their entire systems, and everything they did, everything they did became global. And don't underestimate the power of Rome. Rome was absolutely phenomenal. Rome took over the whole of Western civilization 
conquered Europe, conquered towns and cities in Asia, was in charge of territories all the way to Carthage in North Africa. You know, I was talking about Rome the other day and the UK, for example. If you go down to, to towns in the UK, outside of, even outside of London, you will see Roman quarters. The buildings that the Romans left still there after 2,000 years. They've been around. It was the biggest empire of his day. And this man activated. He and his adopted son, I think it was Flavian, Flavian, Flavian Octavia or something like that. That was his son after him. This was a great man who lived. <laughs> Many people don't like this guy because everywhere he went, what he did was that he just burnt down the people and took territory. Everywhere he goes, it's called the Great Slaughter. That was his strategy. Strategy was, I'll kill you until you guys allow me to be your boss. And he took territories. It's a Mongolian king who took territories around Asia. I think his name is pronounced. <laughs> Genghis Han. Pronounce it, let me hear. <laughs> yeah. Those of you who know, who went to school properly, please pronounce it, let me hear. But he was the most influential figure in the whole of Asia. And the Mongolian Empire still thrives even now. Not in his size, not in his influence. But this guy drove even half of China all the way to other parts of India, even into Europe. Took territories in Europe as well in his day. He lived in the 1200s and he was known as a fierce warlock who will go to any area and take that area. Because of that, he shaped Asian history. I think he has this signature hand inside his jacket kind of guy. He's always, I don't know whether there was anything wrong with his hand, but, <laughs> but he always hid one hand in his jacket. I think it was his own particular style. He was a stylish emperor and he was one who drove France to wars across Europe in his day. The French Revolution led, went haywire and went in every territory. I think he was one of the first persons who used to do this thing. He goes into a territory, says as this army tells everyone to disembark and then burns the ship. Says, we're not going back. We either die or we win the war. And he won victory from town to town all across Europe. It wasn't just his war. Many people like people like Genghis Khan and Napoleon Bonaparte and even Julius, Julius Caesar, people like that were cultural people. When they came into a territory, they didn't only win the war, they spread a particular gospel. So for example, for Julius Caesar, it was the gospel of the arts, Roman arts and culture. Theater came from Rome. Do you understand? Modern theater that if you went into the theater circuit across London or New York or some of these places where theater is very big, these were relics that were inherited from Rome. Rome modeled amphitheaters. You know, if you 
if you go to the Colosseum, it's still there in Rome where, and they had like big games. They had like wild orgies. They had like lavish parties. They were extraordinary. And they took this culture everywhere they went. And the culture of library, not only by the, was part of their civilization. So these people took territory, not only by the bayonet of the gun or by bombs, but they took territory by culture. They went and dominated those cultures with a new territory. And Napoleon Bonaparte led the French Revolution until the Battle of Waterloo, which began to reduce his impact. And that was the first time he had a colossal loss. You know, you know, those of you who studied history know that. Okay, and this is the one we all know when Nelson Mandela died. What was he about? As an imprisoned leader of Southern Africa who for 27 years lived in Robben Island and what did he teach peace and love and forgiveness and I remember mentioning here I was in the London Underground the day he died but had a full page cover of his photo and they said, Hail the king of the world. He was an impactful man whose paradigm Nelson Mandela generation and gave a nation peace. Nelson Mandela. Well, I didn't bring any woman among them, I'm sorry. Those of you who have gender worries. Misogynists. <laughs> I'm not a misogynist, <laughs> so don't label me. <laughs> this was actually from the great man theory. In that theory, there were four men in the Bonaparte, Genghis Khan, Julius Caesar, and Jesus Christ, mates of each other. And replaced Jesus Christ with Nelson Mandela. These were the mates of each other. But we desire more than men. We long with all humility and patience. Hands and seas. Fellowship will be recognized across cities and territories and lands and seas. But he will not just be a ruler to take conquest by, by war. We long for a leader who is not going to be a man who will turn bloody clay by power. We long for someone who will turn bloody killing machines, bombers, drones, assault rifle, king of peace, to instruments of peace. We are looking for a king of peace who can create tools for work, who can change the anger in the hearts of man to love. We're looking for a king to rule with justice. We're looking for a king to rebalance the injustice of the world. We're looking for a king who is bigger than the words of men. We're looking for a king who doesn't define time and situations. We are all looking for a king we can put our integrity behind. We're looking for a king that we can walk under his canopy. We're looking for a king whose ideas will be timeless and will not just be a passing fad or nice to have. 
and imperfect perfection were looking for a bigger king than these earthly kings. If you are with me, say Amen. And that is why the Advent happened. The Advent was for a bigger king. The Adam of you look at Jesus Christ. Christmas is not just about the coming of a baby. And some of you look at Jesus Christ and, and still ooh and ah over the baby. Some of you are looking for Jesus Christ in the manger today. Going to the manger and say, Oh little baby, don't you cry, don't you cry, don't you cry. Hush little baby, don't you cry. Oh Jesus, he's a baby from Bethlehem. Baby Jesus, do you cry? Mary, did you know that your baby was... So, 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 so we we actually creating this Jesus baby crying in the manger, powerless to harm, running away to Egypt kind of baby. Say that, turn to your neighbor and say, that was then, that was then. That was then, that was then. Now, all of humanity doesn't have time for a baby. Warring nations don't have time for a baby. Nations at war, broken system, don't have time for a baby. God has moved. God has moved away from the baby Jesus. God has moved on. We know Jesus Christ. Christmas day about the breaking into earth space of a man called Jesus Christ. Christmas, therefore, is a powerful, powerful declaration that a man came, not just a baby, a man came. Say, a man came. He is the history maker. His name is Jesus the Christ. He is the history maker. His name is Jesus the Christ. I thought this was a good place to clap. After you've seen the brokenness of men, after you've seen the defeat of systems, after you've seen wars come and go, after one man fights a war and a new freedom fighter fights alongside that man, but very soon the freedom fighter becomes a new warlord and takes over the war and takes it forward. And we live from one war to another. After disease ravages the earth, after men are broken and systems hurt, after the world is destroyed, and after men have nothing to point to, one came. He is the history maker. His name is Jesus the Christ. Hallelujah. And what did Ephesians chapter 3 say? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. You may turn there. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3. I want you to read from your own translation. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10 to 11. Read whatever translation you have. Ephesians 3. I want us to read um, 10 to 11. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you with me? <laughs> okay, one, two, go. To the intent. Ow. Wisdom. 
might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now to the intent that the manifold wisdom of God be made known by the church. By who? By who? To who? The principalities and powers in where? In the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus. You know why I spoke about um, the church? Because you are the church. Say, I am the church. So Jesus' coming was not for Jesus, therefore. Jesus' coming was for the activation of the church. Say, the activation of the church. Say, I am the church. So God made you powerful. God gave you solutions for the problems of the earth. God gave you ideas that are going to advance humanity. God built you fearfully and wonderfully. And he called you his church. And then he sent the activator. Jesus, the activator, the catalyst of God. Jesus, the turning around person in God. Jesus, the starting up place in God. Jesus, the causing to come alive person in God. Jesus, the one who stirs up the grace of God in the lives of man. Jesus, the one who cultivates your heart until your heart is ready to start burning. Jesus, the one who changes your paradigm from a defeatist paradigm to a paradigm of strength. And then he says, now to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God will be made known. Now the manifold wisdom of God will be made known. Now the many-sided wisdom of God will activation of the wisdom. Now that the church is here, there will be activation of the wisdom of God. Now that you are here, there will be the activation of the power of God. Now that we are here, spirit beings, demons, powers will feel the impact of the church. If you believe it, say Amen. amen. Say Amen again. That's what God wants to do. To wake up the church and cause us to journey in Him. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 to 9 Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily and verse 10 let's read verse 10 together one to go and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power one more time and you I want you to read it to yourself and say, I am complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. One more time. I am complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Say it again. And I am com complete. Do you feel the sense of head of all principalities and power? Do you feel complete? Do you feel the sense of completion? The head of all principality and power is at work in your life. The head of all principality and power is at work in your life. We're not as powerless as we think. We're not as helpless as we think. 
we're not as hopeless as we think we are complete in him who has all authority we are complete in him who has power i need someone here to wake up in the authority i need someone whose eyes gonna pop open this morning to see that god has already worked completeness in you i need someone who is going to see that the coming of christ was not just about a baby coming to the world it was for the activation of a race the people call the church of christ is for god to stir up something and we are complete in him and we lack nothing in him and we have all the power in him and we are open to the grace of god in him and in christ men are lit up in christ men resurrect in christ the broken come to life in christ the weak are made strong in christ strength is provided for the weakest of us you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and powers one to go through hundreds of prophets and ordinary men he inspired in the den the burning furnace behind the walls of jericho out in the flaming desert waters flowed he made a promise to reach all flesh to cover the earth with glory and to send us the holy spirit to live and walk in us all he was the will in ezekiel the promise to all flesh in joy in the womb the beaten heart spoke the one nailed on the cross and soon to return king the bible is the revelation of the christ in the work of the spirit this is what god had in mind when he sent a man this is what god had in mind when he sent a man this man had been there from the very get-go activating staring up you know in daniel he was there he was the fourth man in the fire he was there with the three hebrew boys jesus has always been around jesus didn't just come as a baby in john chapter 17 we read when jesus says father the hour has come father the time has come as you've given eternal life to all who call you and this is life eternal that they may know you the one true god and jesus whom you've sent began me the glory i had with you before the world began jesus was speaking to a time when he walked in glory jesus knew that he was wrapped in garments of fire jesus knew that he was someone in heaven before he came to the earth now now jesus christ to us is activation activation this is what we need this is your christmas message activation activation it wasn't about baby jesus it was about the mandate of god on earth so jesus christ is here to rewrite the story of your life if you believe it say amen there was once a story about your life there was once a, his, a story a history of you there was once a journey of your life but jesus christ will rewrite it say today say amen jesus christ is sending you as an ambassador he made you a redeemer from zion jesus christ is making you bigger than what comes into you 
Jesus is making you bigger than what you can get. He's making you a gift to the world. Jesus is making you a co-history maker. He is the first history maker. But you are a co-history maker. It's time for you to preach to your neighbor. You know, we always have this moment when we turn to our neighbor and say to them, neighbor, I want to preach to you. Please don't be shy. Don't be afraid. Preach to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, Jesus came. So you will be, and I'm, look at the messages here. So preach it to them. He wants to rewrite the story of your life. He's sending you as an ambassador. He has made you a redeemer from Zion. The purpose of God in your life is bigger. It's bigger than what you know. You are a co-history maker. Say to them, you are a co-history maker. Some of you are not talking. Say you are a co-history maker. Oh, I can see victory in some of your eyes. Seated here are history makers. Seated here are people of impact. Sitting here are strong men who Jesus paid the price for. And he didn't just come so that you will go and do the same old things. He didn't just come so that you go and do it. Come so that you go and eat rice on Christmas Day. He didn't just come so that you go and do the normal things everybody does. You know, my dad, my late dad was a mighty preacher. And he used to preach annoying messages. And people, at the end of his service, you'll be so mad. So one day, he preached this particular in the village, and he was in the village. And he would stand up on the hill in the village, and his voice was like a megaphone. And he would shout his message across the whole village. One day, the village got angry, and boys from the village came and carried him and threw him into the bush. What was the message? It was Christmas Eve. And he was shouting, All of you, on the last day of judgment, the chicken you are killing today will stand against you. The goat you are killing today will speak against you. They will cry against you because you are killing chicken when you don't know the Prince of Peace. You are killing chicken on Christmas Day when you don't know the Christ of the Christmas. You are running around buying presents on Christmas Day. The chickens will cry against you on the day of judgment. Repent now and meet the Christ. That, that message really chicken. We're angling for a party and preparing their wine to go down with their chicken. They didn't, they didn't like it very much. Christmas is a time when the biggest tragedies happen. Christmas is a time preceded by robberies, people trying to make money to eat Christmas chicken the wrong way. Christmas is preceded by people who do all types of dastardly things. Christmas in the new year, the most surprising one is 31st night. There's a new tradition on 31st night. Start in the church, end in the club. So people are just, you know, like, I used to pastor a church that was like maybe 2,000 people. So, but on, Christ, on crossover night, it will be 5,000. 
And I just thought that, oh, these 5,000 people, oh, they love God so much, they came here to hear the word. So we'll start the service from like, okay, let's start like 9 o'clock. They won't come. 9, 10, 11, 11 30, 11.45, they will be just rushing in the car park. People running back. The whole place will be full all the way to the back. These people want to cross over into the new year in the house of the Lord. Wow. If you think about it, you think it's powerful. But then, five minutes past midnight, one day do the countdown. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! You see some people going straight to the gate to leave. <laughs> What's the point of that? What's the point of that? What's the point of that? Was the point of that travesty to have a spiritual endorsement when you don't know the Christ? Do you know the day your eyes open to know what Christ did for us? The day you agree with yourself that you're going to go on this journey. The day you admit that you were sent here on an assignment by God. It will redefine everything. We won't need to tell you to let that boyfriend go. We need to tell you that you should put your life in order. We need to tell you that, man, that, that business is going to drown you. We don't need to tell you that you, need, you have a ministry and you've been called by God. We don't need to remind you. We don't need to remind you the day your eyes are open that there is an intense purpose of God. Do you hear that thing? To the intent that through the church... The manifold wisdom of God will be made known to spirit beings. That spirit beings will come to test mankind and will teach them the wisdom of God. That bad people will come and want to work in our hearts and will teach them the grace of God to the intent that through the church might be made known the manifold wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Jesus is the history maker. But you are a co-history maker. He didn't send you here for nothing. There's a purpose to your life. There's a reason why you're here. There are bigger problems in the earth. But you are an ambassador from Zion. You are a redeemer. This morning, I don't want to shout too much. I hope I haven't shouted too much already. I just want you to get the point. I'm trying to teach it. I'm struggling with myself to teach it so you understand that God made you someone who is supposed to bring about history. God wants you to be a change agent. God wants you to be someone who is supposed to bring about power in the earth. God wants you to be his voice everywhere you go. God wants you to be the system changer. God wants you to be the one who draws children unto righteousness. God wants you to be the man who makes a difference. Okay, you may say, I don't have connections, but what do you have? So let's talk about the how. How do we become these history makers? How? It's always 
thinking big and starting small. Repeat after me. Think big. Start small. Where are you today? Where do you walk? Where do you live? Do you understand? What do your neighbors think about you? What does your estate think about you? What do your co-workers think about you? Now that my wife is here today, what does your wife think about you? It's not good to be a star to the whole world, but to your wife, Iboe Kwensu. What do your kids think about you? <laughs> they are responding to they are all here, the whole army. <laughs> do you love? Do you let your brothers beg you for a boon? Do you give? We can talk about changing the whole world. A charity starts from home. Where are you today? What are you doing today? Do you know some of the biggest history makers were not impactful at home? For example, I read recently about Steve Jobs that his family came up and said that he wasn't a good man. He wasn't good to them. How can you make impact in the whole world but at home you don't? What a tragedy who know you closest don't see the greatness let's start from where we are we want to start from our church community to be a church of we want everyone who comes here to honestly find a family not because of what we're supposed to get out of you incidentally churches have this quandary we have so many things we need to do for example now we're looking for a land because we've outgrown this place or we're trying to get them to give us that other hall, right? But it will cost money. So the pastor feels pressure that he has to preach some particular kinds of messages to bring out the money. That's when the pastor says, hmm, hmm, the Lord spoke to me last night. Ten, ten, ten billion years I want to make in 2019. You can give a million each I guarantee you incidentally the Lord spoke to me in the shower this morning you know what he said to me I am looking for history makers I am looking for history makers as I entered the shower, I just heard it. I am looking for history makers. Their nation, immediate world, and go on to take their city and take their nation. I am looking for hungry people who don't want to just do church. I'm looking for people who, despite their problems and their challenges, would dare me and say, God, in my time, I want to be a history maker
How come that's not what we hear? How come we don't hear that? How come what we hear is that which will benefit us? How about the world? Is it not obvious that we're already blessed? Is it not obvious that you are blessed sitting here? It's not obvious that you're well, that you can come into the house of God this morning. How about the broken on your street? How about the sick and hungry in your world? How about the hurting of the earth? Isn't it obvious that we have life already? God wants a history maker. God wants a history maker. Jesus did not come to be the only history maker. He came to make history makers out of us. Who are the people who make history? Men who stand in their generation and change something. A Scottish woman lived among the local people. And at the end of her time, she was the first person who went and got evil twins and took care of them. And people saw nothing happened to them. Then she got another set. Then she got another set. She got another set. After a while, she had a home full of twins. And after a while, parents started to keep their own too. Parents were terrified that if they kept their twins, it was going to be an evil woman. This woman, one weak, frail woman from Aberdeen, ended the killing of twins in the whole of eastern Nigeria. One woman. One man traveled in this in 1973-76, traveled all the way from the south of England and came to Nigeria. Arrived at Badagri and said, the Lord told me to go to Elisha. Where is Elisha? And where, do you, where is Elisha? Some of you don't even know where Elisha is. He arrived with his dog and he named the dog Elisha. And arrived at the port of Badagri and they directed him all the way to Elisha. Pa Elton lived and died in Elisha. And from there raised some of the biggest men of God that you know in Nigeria today. From Inokadebo, Pa Elton's boys, Emekan Wangpa to Okeonozo, all of these were Pa Elton's boys. He went through the universities in the 70s and turned the Scripture Union revival upside down. He was reputed with the re revival that brought in modern people. Before that time, all church people were sort of like local, dry, big lapel jacket wearing, pastors, you know, these ones who the pastor, their Bibles always hungry, and these ones who, who can walk in a straight line, who ride bicycles, and who talk from both sides of the mouth with saliva coming, and when they talk, they just say, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. He was the one who first of all began to intellectually curate Christianity in Nigeria by Elton. Was he a history maker or not? He prophesied that from this nation will go across all the nations of the world a powerful army. That Christianity from Nigeria will take on the world. That Nigeria will be taken by corruption first. He prophesied this. He said Nigeria will be so badly maligned around the world for corruption. Then there will be a change. And Nigerian missionaries will turn this world around for Christ. This man prophesied it, but Elton did. An Englishman from Wales, from Wales, where is he from? No, from lived and died among local Israelites. He lived and died among local Israelites. His, his daughter, his, his granddaughter is still here. 
She's old now. She's 70 something now, 80, 80. You are a history maker. Don't think your life is about the money that will come to you. Don't think your life is about the comfort you get now. Live bigger, live bigger, live bigger, live bigger. Don't think your life is about. No. It's not just the comfort of this hour. It's just not. Do you know some of the sorrows we pierced our souls with are not even in God's radar? I remember Pastor Isi said she one day she got transported into heaven, and the person who was walking, welcoming her and showing her around happens to be her niece. Her niece was in heaven before her, and her niece said, Oh, come, come and see my, my place. And she went to see the house was really nice. And then she saw Jesus afar off, and then said, Oh my God, I wish I can have a one on one with Jesus Christ. And say, No sooner had they sat down in this house than Jesus came in. And then she looked at Jesus and said, Oh my God, you knew, you heard me. And I said, Yes, let's talk. And she said, Jesus spent time talking to her about his plans for earth his purposes what he wanted to do right as jesus finished talking to her jesus asked her are you going to stay are you going to go back you know that's how people die and she said ah, come on is that even a question i'm going to stay lord <laughs> i'm not going back <laughs> They say when you cross over to the other side, there's nothing of interest on earth anymore for you. But Jesus looked at her and said, like after all I told you about earth, you still have a purpose. Go, go back. That's when she came back. Then she came back and woke up and said, oh, I forgot to tell Jesus I don't have a child. She said it didn't even come up. Do you know you're standing before Jesus Christ? You've been married eight, nine years, you don't have a baby, but you couldn't even, it wasn't even important. Like in there, it, it didn't show up in the radar. I was like, wow. Do you know some of the things that are worrying us today in heaven? We won't be talking about them. You are a history maker. Hebrews chapter 12. You can take out my PowerPoint and put, put in. Give me Hebrews chapter 12. Let's close here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne 